0: Jesus. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Hallelujah. Listen, we're going to have a great time. If y'all weren't here last night, you definitely missed a great time. We had a good time with Brother Tommy and uh, Sister Jeannie. So they're, they're having a fun time this morning, too. So y'all need to pray for their patience. Um, they are on L- uh, that LSUA cutoff right now watching the train do this. And so he keeps texting me with pictures about the last 30 minutes. And I'm like, do you know, there's a way around. Really? How do I do that? So now he sends me a text message, but it shows that road is blocked. We're going to try it anyways. And I'm like, Wh- whatever, man. <laughs> we have to tell him he needs to get a new GPS. <laughs> no. Because if I do that, then they'll be like, well, he has an Apple. Maybe he needs to get an Android. And that's going to start an argument. So I'm not going to go there. <laughs> we fight with that all the time up here, we pick at each other constantly. Constantly. So look, so if you look in your bulletin, there's a big write-up about Brother Tommy's ministry. Um after service, he's got some books out front and some CDs and all that uh that they, they do sell. So they're gonna be here in time to be able to do all that, don't worry. Uh but we're gonna do some worship this morning and have a great time. Listen, this is revival weekend, so we've gotta we've gotta celebrate like we always do. We celebrate what God has been doing, what he's going to do, and things that he hasn't done yet. Amen. Uh so we're gonna we're gonna keep celebrating on that. Uh, also, if you look in your bulletin, we've got our weekly memory verse, Luke six thirty one, And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them. In American English, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Uh, we can say that about five different ways, you know. Uh, we can We can really come up with some with some crazy ways of, of saying that, but that's that's the key to everything is treat people the way you'd like them to treat you now what do you do if they don't treat you that way? Well you're fine yeah what do you do if 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 I, I was he's creeping up on me I didn't know what he was doing no. <laughs> Some people may bother me, but i you know yeah we still treat them we still treat them the way we want to be treated amen so Listen, we've been praying all week. We've been here, and and God has been speaking to us and challenging us. And and listen, when we have prayer times like that, you need to come. You need to come. I'm just telling you. Because God has been moving, and he's been showing us things. And you know what? It, It takes commitment to follow Jesus. It takes more commitment to follow Jesus than it does to follow the LSU when they're not winning. But they won last night, so everybody's happy. So... Or the saints or any of that stuff. So, listen, let's commit ourselves that when, when we're doing things like that at the church, prayer, you know, try to be here once or twice at least. I know life gets busy and things get crazy, you know. But let's try to do that, amen. We'll try to do that because what it does is it helps all of us learn. And we're, we've we been praying for our area. We've been praying for our region. Go put the uh, the first one up there for me. This, this is the stuff we've been praying for, you know, that military, police, firefighters, families, the frontline medical workers, into abortion, we've been praying for the leaders of our nation, kindness to love one another and respect between the races, healing in communities torn by violence, um, religious freedom and boldness for churches to preach. Congress, the leaders again, and then we we added some more to it. Go ahead and hit the, the next slide for me. Uh oh, chains of religion to be broken in our region, and we, this is specifically to our region here. The spirit of poverty to be broken spirit of addiction to be broken, you know, uh, awakening to his church, revival to be released. This is what we've been praying for. And you know what God told us? That those walls are going to come down because we marched every night all the way through today. And we attempted to blow the shofars. None of us are shofar blowers, but it didn't matter. We did it anyways, just like Jericho. And, and we believe those walls have fell. Amen. So listen, we've, we've got we've to keep pushing forward and praying because here's what happens those things fall, and if you don't replace them with something else, what happens? Comes back seven times worse, according to the word. So you know what we need to do? We need to continue to pray. We need to continue to, to fast and push forward to what God is doing. Because we're not praying just for us. We're praying for a region. We're praying for our city. We're praying for our neighborhoods. Because everyone needs to know Jesus before they die. Amen. So, so listen, so I'm going to stop beating that up. But what I don't want to beat up on is our giving. Again, I want to thank everybody that's been faithful to give uh, throughout, you know, the, this, this whole interesting corona time. Um, you know, God has continued to bless our church and uh, bring finances in and, and take care of the church, which he always does. And, and through that time, if, if people have had needs that they've come to us about, we've been able to help them as well. You know, when we know about it, we, we try to help. Because God has blessed us as a church and that's who we are and that's what we should do. Amen. So I want us to be to give, though. We're we're giving church. We're giving people. Why? Because Jesus gave. He gave first, so we give. Amen. And I know some people are giving online at newlifeag.church slash giving, and you can you can give there. And we we have the offering trays out front that after service you can put, you know, tithes and offerings in there and things like that. Um but there's envelopes out there. So after service, let's let's do that. Let's continue to be givers. Now, at the end of the service, we are going to receive an offering for Brother Tommy and Sister Jeannie as well for their ministry. Uh, but that will be after the service we'll do that. So, so you know, right now we're going to pray for our offerings here, right, because the tithe belongs to the Lord. So I can't give my tithe to, to Shelly, you know, because that's, that's his, you know, but I can give offering to her. And she's just like... <clears throat> And, and he's up there saying, you know, so, you know, so and my wife's smiling at me. So that probably means move on. No, I'm just picking. So, but anyway, so I want us to pray for our offering. And, and listen, when, when I pray for the offering, there's been times in my life where I didn't really have much. So what do I do in that time? I grab my checkbook, I grab my wallet, and I speak life to it. I speak life to it. I grab the checkbook if there's nothing in it and say, God, you you told me that you've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. You Your word says that you will pour out a blessing. I don't have room enough to receive. Well, right now, I got a lot of room. I'll go get a second bank if I need one, but right now, the first bank ain't got none in it, and, you know, so you speak the word over it. You begin to speak the word over it. Pray the word, amen? So let's pray this morning, and, and we're going to get ready to do some worship. I don't know about y'all. Make sure he's not texting me that he's lost. Uh, oh, Hallelujah. He finally got it to Highway 1. Jesus. <laughs> listen, if you drive back in Fort Alexandria, you understand the pain. Yeah. So, so, listen, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you that we get to be in your house. And Lord, we, we want to focus right now on bringing our tithes and our offerings to the storehouse. Lord, we thank you that you've continued to supply our needs during this time as a church and as family. Continue to pour out your blessings upon us, Lord, that the world would see us and ask the questions of why are you so blessed? And then we would say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. But I thank you that we get to do that and we get to be your ambassadors. So today, Lord, receive these gifts, these tithes and offerings and multiply them in the church and multiply them in the life of the giver. But, Lord, most of all, use them around the world to reach the lost and the hurting, but especially right here in Marksville, Mansoura area that we may reach those that are lost and dying without Jesus. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you agree with that this morning, I want you to shout an amen with me. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to get up here and I'm going to fix those ACs. It seems like they're not running. It's that time of year, though. It, it, it is that time of year, isn't it? It's just like, you know, no matter what you do, it's hot. Unless you go to my house. and you're gonna freeze, hallelujah, okay, got it, let me move this, no, can I get rid of my jacket this morning, come on, y'all like, oh Jesus, really I wore it in case brother Tommy had his so he wouldn't look out of place, I was trying to make him comfortable, I'm trying to take care of our guest, It's it's an honor. Listen, like I mentioned last night, you know, I, I've read his books through the years. That guy has blessed me so many times and challenged me with the books he's written. And Brother Farrell sent me a a, a text the other day with one that, that he preached at the Brownsville Revival. Only few people ever preached there other than Steve Hill. And, man, we stayed up that night to almost midnight watching it. It was just like, wow. And so I'm, I'm just so honored that he's even here sharing the Word of God because I have watched his ministry for so many years and been blessed by it amen so hallelujah all right come on let's stand up to this morning and we're going to worship
1: hallelujah Everything inside of me, I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery.
0: make a bit of sense. I did this purposely. How can I continue to sing a song where I'm, I'm praising my way through something, right? But that's how we do sometimes. I can't have nobody see me raise my hands.
1: <laughs> louder and louder.
0: going to mess my voice up this morning. Maybe my hair. Oh, I'm not going to go there because I'm going to get way out there. raise a hallelujah, brother. We raise a hallelujah. Y'all ready to worship now? Y'all ready to really worship now? Come on. Now
1: that we got that out of the way,
0: just kind of had to have a little fun right there, you know, because sometimes we do that, don't we? And not have nobody see me here? clap my hands. That's how you fight your way through right there. Pastor, why do we got to get so loud in church? Why are we going to be so loud in heaven? (laughs) Well, I can't get loud in church if I will be loud in heaven anyway, singing holy, holy glory for all eternity. Listen, some of y'all may want to go see some people. There's only one I want to see when I get there. I'm going to see my great uncle. I didn't know him anyways. There's only one I want to see when I get there, and it's not going to be quiet.
2: This is the sound of a dry bones rattling. Come on, sing that again. This is the sound. This is the sound of a dry bones rattling. This is the place make a dead man walk again. Come on. Open the grave. I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of a dry bones
3: rattling. is the sound of a dry bone rattling come on this is the praise make a dead man walk again open the grain i'm coming out i'm gonna live gonna live again this is the sound of a dry bone save and to heal and restore anything that he wants to just ask the man We This is the place make
2: a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Come on, right here. This is the sound of a dry bone rattling. Rattle.
3: Jesus!
0: (sighs) (sighs) Guys, this is what we've been praying for with this in every church in our region that preaches and teaches the truth of Jesus. That there would be a revival of the Spirit. People worshiping again, no longer dead and dry bones. God, we've been praying for the rain, the rain of your Spirit to descend, fall and just overflow in these places, God. Overflow in our lives, Lord, that we may truly be an example of you outside. Oh, Jesus.
3: We worship you, God. We worship you, God. You are holy. We worship you. People who were called Move, move, move.
0: freedom in your life this morning come on give him praise come on give him praise this morning come on hallelujah 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 listen give somebody a spiritual high five this morning i think we we need to shift over in the ministry portion here hallelujah yeah i know if you if you already live with them give them a high five and ain't gonna matter
1: Hallelujah.
0: Isn't it so good to be in the house of God? Amen. Come on, it is good to be in the house of God. You can turn the, the lights back up. We've got your track laid in up there, and I've got it figured out where you can come up here, and if, you, if you're going to sing it, I can let you do it. We've got everything we think, where even on the fly, we can make it work. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to do it now or later, but uh, I can... Uh, okay. I've, I've got my phone up there. One slide is your volume. One slide's the music's volume. That's all. Oh, no, no, that's for her. Oh, okay. But that way in case she needed anything later, it would all be set up. so uh, they'll take care of this part. Well, you and everybody else in this parish, uh, they got caught by the train this morning. Everybody know the train? The train. But see, but we can't pray against the train because that's people's livelihood and and supplies, and they just need to over. Yeah. Can we get our roads fixed first? (laughs) Listen, it is great to have Brother Tommy and Sister Jeannie here with us again this morning and and ministering. Guys, listen, it is an honor, like I told you before, to have them here, and and I follow their ministry for so many years and been blessed by that ministry as well. Uh, So, Listen, y'all stand up this morning and give them a welcome. I'm going to just stop so they can preach. He has. I don't want to take up his time. Let y'all minister this morning. Brother, have your way in this house this morning. We love you. Thank you.
4: Well, good morning, everybody. So, um, Pastor, I, I guess your faith is not great enough for um, the overpass yet. We're sitting there and watching that train. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but it's dead stopped. Then it starts moving. And so you think, okay, I'm good. It'll just be a few minutes. And then it moves for a while one direction, stops, and starts going back the other direction. That's when your faith wavers, and you just said, oh, oh, no, what do I do now? And we... uh, pastor finally called us told us of a, 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 a you have to actually go back north to to get to it but my gps told me that the train was also blocking there but somebody's faith was enough that when we got there it was open and we got through but if that's the biggest problem i ever encounter in life i got it made in the shade so good morning to you. Good morning. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. Uh, I told pastor, uh, what my role is I, I don't pastor a church. Uh, I, I have pastored in a time period in my life, but basically my entire ministry has been spent in itinerary. I travel, I speak. I've preached in over 70 countries. Uh, I, I need to learn that Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere, man. <laughs> and, anybody rem- remember that song? He starts naming off all those cities. I, I might could customize it and throw in all the countries. I, but about 50% of my time, I, I'm outside of the country. Uh, Before everything got shut down around the world, I'd already been to Europe and back, but this is my first Sunday preaching uh, live in a church uh, since the end of February. And I noticed this morning when I got up, my voice is a little rough because I preached last night, and you know, your vocal cords, your muscles, just like anything else, and Mine have gotten kind of flabby, <laughs> so uh, I'm uh, strengthening them, them up. I got a mint in my mouth today. That might help a little bit. That doesn't bother you, will it? I had a pastor friend of mine uh, back in the days when they all wore suits and ties, and a button came off of his shirt behind the tie. You know, so. Nobody's going to notice that, and he stuck it in his pocket. Well, he also he had mul- did multiple services, and so he had to end at a certain time in order for them to clear out the, the sanctuary to get ready for the next service. And one of the ways he would always time it, he had a certain, man, I think it was a cert. Remember cert, the little white? Uh, Breath mints that he would tuck in the corner of his mouth before he got up to preach. And whenever that totally dissolved, that meant it's time to bring this airplane in for a landing. That's how he timed his preaching. And so as he got ready to preach that morning, he reached in his pocket and grabbed something and stuck it in his mouth. It was the button. The last I heard, he's still preaching. <laughs> this is a mint. It is not a button. I got all my buttons. In fact, I buttoned up. But it's, it's good to be back live, to see faces. And I, I told him last night it's good to be in a, in a place where it's not counties, but it's parishes. I, do, I told them I do ministry in real far flung, exotic places like Minnesota, where they can't spell a chafalaya and sure can't pronounce it, or Wachita, or, uh, uh, or uh, Jambalaya. You know, they don't, they don't know all that stuff. It's like a foreign language. Pe- people get actually entertained by Louisiana folks. They're on TV shows all the time because they can't believe. You remember when the, the uh, what are they? those alligator guys? What, what was the name of that show? Huh? Swamp people. Swamp people. Yeah, yeah. Remember when that first came out? And I would go preach somewhere and they'd say, and, and, uh, you know, Tommy Tenney's here from Louisiana. People would look, their eyes would get big. <laughs> I, could, I could see the They want to ask me after church is everybody down there like that? I said, oh man, that's my kin folks. They're either a Boudreaux or a Thibodeaux and you're kin somewhere because the family tree don't run very deep down here. Really wide, but not very deep. My great grandmother, her uh, her name was Bro, B-R-E-A-U-X. And she spoke better French than she did English from down in, uh, past Thibodeau in, La, in Lafouche Parish. We, we call it, you know, we tell people that, it, uh, from, not from here, that they're below New Orleans, and they like, what? I said, oh, yeah. That's called down the bayou. Anybody ever been down there? There's only one road in, one road out, and one's on one side of the bayou, and the other one's on the other side, and, uh. That's, wh- that's where we're from. So it's kind of good that my first uh, Sunday back live and being initiated, I'm with some home folks. Now, Pastor, I got one request today. Now, he, you wanted me to go eat with him last night, told him, no, I'm an old guy. We go to bed early. Uh, but he, he said, we're, we'll eat together today. Don't take me to some chain restaurant. Well, good. Uh, I have eaten at so many Applebee's and Chili's and, and uh, you know, because I literally, some years I spend 200 nights a year in hotels traveling. So I've eaten at, you name it, I've eaten at it. And... I'll tell you one thing I told people last night. I learned never, ever order Cajun food outside of Louisiana. Amen. Amen. Right. Just don't do it. It is bad, bad, bad. But So you, you find me a down-home place where we eat today, okay? No, no, no Applebee's. <laughs> Not, a Not a problem? All right. There may not be an Applebee's in the Boyle's Parish. I don't know. <laughs> not an awful house either. Actually, sometimes those are pretty good. I'm excited to have my wife with me because I, I travel. She retired from traveling when we got grandkids. She kind of retired, and she actually runs our office and keeps everything going. But she is... I told the pastor that's why I wanted to introduce her she is one amazing lady she's an incredible uh, wife and mom and grandmother and she's uh, an incredible intercessor lady knows how to pray and get a hold of God I have pastors okay uh, you did in my phone her phone and you know you keep your names and addresses and contacts I probably have the names and phone numbers of Probably approaching 5,000 now. Uh, Last time I looked, it was 4,000 something because, like I said, I've spent 40 plus years of doing this. And uh, they did an estimate, my office did a few years ago, of how many different places I've preached. And uh, sometimes I go back to to, uh, spiritual sons of mine, I go back to their church, but a lot of times, my schedule only allows me, you know, one pass through there, and I've preached in five thousand different churches. That's hard to believe, but that's—they did the estimate. You 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 start adding forty-seven years of doing this up, and um, when th- when I, when I'm when we're not under the coronavirus issue a lot of time I would be in three churches a week and it just it just adds up she's she's in charge of that she keeps that that all going for me but she is also an amazing singer and I don't know if you've ever been somewhere had a chance she's sung on tv just like I've been on tv and all that kind of stuff Uh, but I want I want you to meet her. Come up here, sweetheart. Isn't she the cutest little grandmother you've ever seen? You get it on? Is it working?
5: Testing, uh, testing.
4: I love this lady dearly. We've been married. Th- this year is uh, forty five years, right? Amen. I think it's going. I think the marriage is going to make it. <laughs> Uh, I don't think she'd want to retrain anybody at this point. <laughs> but what do you... Oh, okay. I don't know what that meant yet, but I'll find out after church.
5: <laughs> you better be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: I think I better sit down and shut up right now.
5: I guess I probably need to go up there. Uh. Here, okay. If, if be you can great. hear Oh, great! I'm 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 just excited to be here and I, I love to look around at people and this is such a colorful group. I mean it's just so cute. We've got the sparkly Oh yeah, you gotta go mama. And <laughs> we've got the the pink hair in the back, it's just so cute. Yeah. It's so it's good to be here and we have we have every race and every color in here. I love it. That's great. That's wonderful. I love it when God's people unify. I'm going to sing an old song. My husband calls them throwback songs because I absolutely love old songs. I uh, was raised on them. I remember as a kid going to my neighbor's house. She was United Methodist and my brother and I would sit there and sing with her out of the hymnals. Well, at our church, we were Pentecostal, so we sang out of the Pentecostal hymnal. But when we went over to her house, we sang other hymns. And this was one of the songs that we would sing back then. It's called Precious Lord, Take My Hand. No, they, they sing a little different. Hmm. You can turn the music up a little bit Say, Lord, I don't know what the future holds, but I just need to hold your hand and know I can make it. I can make it through anything, Lord. Ooh, precious Lord, you're the
4: care if I preach at all as long as she keeps singing. (laughs) Uh, Before I forget to tell you, we, last night I got up here and I was just so excited because I hadn't preached in a few months. I, I got up and just started preaching and I didn't say hi, boo, thank you, I'm glad to be here and I had to I wanted to make sure. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here and you look real nice. And you had to be here last night to understand all about what that means. But that has something to do with this. Uh, I didn't even mention last night that we do have uh, some books in the back. We don't carry the inventory of all of my books i've written 38 books if you just carried a hundred of each one of them that's that's a lot so we, we just whatever we have we have the rest of it you go to amazon and you can get everything you want but one thing that they don't have on there is uh some of my wife's music and how, how many of you'd like to have a cd of her music would you like that Well, I'm sorry to tell you, you can't buy that today. It's back there, but you can't buy it. But I can give it to you if you buy one of my books. You see, when she comes with me, here's what usually happens. People go out there and they buy all her music and they don't buy any of my books. And then I get emotionally wounded and the prayer team has to stay late to pray for my healing. And we don't want that. It's just messy for everybody. So I, I, I fix that sometimes by saying, if you want her music, you have to buy one of my books. And you get the music for free. Uh, there's a couple of songs. And we used to put fancy covers on all of these. But do you know what happens to a, a cover on a CD? It it somehow gets separated and then it gets divorced and they never come back together and so we don't put fancy things on there anymore. Uh, There's a couple songs on here. One of them is the song, the theme song from the movie One Night with the King. Uh, Have you ever had a movie producer preach here for you before? Yep, I'm the first one. You ever met a Hollywood movie producer?
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, literally, God challenged me to start writing fiction, you know, biblical fiction, because a lot of times we have to fill in the gaps, and I wrote a novel about Esther called Hadassah, One Night with the King. The book of Esther is very short, nine. Not, not, ten chapters and it's just very short and so from history we literally know a lot we know a lot about the king and she married and uh, the next thing you know uh, when I was preaching about Esther as God began to deal with me uh, we had a prophecy um, uh, John Kilpatrick came up at what and who were at Cheon. We were at Cheyenne's church in Pasadena, California. And they both independently came up after I preached. And my wife stepped to the keyboard and spontaneously wrote this song. I don't know if you know anything about writing songs, but it's hard to get it all together. In one, but in one pass, just the Holy Spirit downloaded it to her. And uh, when we were making the movie, there were a lot of big name people that were put put songs forward um they wanted to you know and that's that was good and so i just tossed her hat in the ring so to speak and uh when uh, everybody was listening i was part of the, we are listening to the to the music they uh, said wow that's really good and they liked, and they said, "By the way, who is that singing?" Because there'd been talk about getting somebody like Celine Dion or somebody to do the, the sing it. They said, who is that singing? And I said, "Well, I'd already told them that my my wife wrote that song." And They said, well, "Who who's singing?" I said, "That's my wife." And they said, "We don't need Celine Dion." And uh, so. On the uh, movie, you know how they put the sound, or not the, the soundtrack, what do you call it? The theme song. That's, it's You've got to listen past the credits and all that stuff. But uh, Somewhere out there on Amazon, you can get the movie One Night with the King, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. A lot of people, it's still, I'll tell you an interesting story. The story of Esther takes place in ancient Persia. Persia is what is, uh, what is now Iran and Iraq. It's just a baby, okay. And uh, don't make the mother feel bad about that. It's not, not, not that. It, it's just a baby doing what babies do. Now, I don't, I'm just telling you that so you know I'm not nervous about it. And I'm cool with that, okay. So the, 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 the story of Esther takes place in what is now Iran and Iraq. Now, do you understand that they're probably not going to let Tommy Tenney in Iran to preach? That if they were to allow Tommy Tenney into Iran to preach, Tommy Tenney's wife probably wouldn't let him go to Iran to preach. Probably not, because probably wouldn't come back. And she says she loves me, so I mean, uh, there's actually been places that I, I had to promise her I wouldn't go back until things changed, because I've, I've been in some dicey times uh, overseas. But I, I uh, was invited to come preach an Iranian pastor's conference that they were holding it in Turkey, which you can go into Turkey and you can, you can preach. There's Christian churches there. And what they did is they would smuggle Iranian pastors out of Iran. Now, And the people who smuggled the preachers out and their wives to the conference... Or the same people that on the trip back in, they would smuggle cigarettes and alcohol because that's illegal in Iran too. Or, and maybe not cigarettes, but I know they don't, alcohol is. So it's, it was an interesting thing. The, it took four days for the pastors to all get there. They would arrive at different times. And like one couple here wound up, I think, maybe sixty. Pastors and their wives, maybe 120 uh, people all together. Wow. First of all, can I tell you, you let those people loose in worship. In my 47 years and 70 countries of preaching, that is the most extravagant, wildest worship I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know if you've ever seen how some Middle Eastern uh, cultures, when they celebrate something, they'll pick somebody up. The Jewish culture does it. They pick them up and they throw them in the air or they pick them up and carry them around the room, you know. These Iranian pastors, they got to worshiping and they would, they would run to somebody and, and literally like 10 men would grab you and pick you up and throw you about 15 feet in the air <laughs> and catch you. And if this was going on and, and they would do this for hours, dance and, and I, I guess, you know, they told me that when, when they worship and they really want to get deeply into worship, they usually have to go way out into the rural countryside and, and to a home they put mattresses against the windows and uh, that's when they'll worship. So when, you, when they get out of Iran and they're in Turkey and they can really worship, man, do they, it would be 2 o'clock in the morning. Because they are, it's like a party. It was a permanent party. Now, the interesting thing about the way these pastors would register for this conference is there was a table in the, in the foyer of the hotel. The hotel was way out in the countryside in Turkey also and there was a table, and there were name cards. I don't remember all the names, but it would be like Mike, Bob, Richard, Tommy, whatever, Jeannie, and and I thought that's, maybe they pre-registered, they know who everybody is, and they were all laid out neatly, and I commented to the guys running the conference. I said, that's really organized. He said, let me tell you the story. He said, when the pastors come in, Most of these pastors don't know one another, have never met one another, and will never see each other again. They are also under instructions to not even tell anybody their name while they're at the conference. So they just go randomly pick up a name card, and they become that name and that person. That way, if they get caught going back in, they don't know anybody and no information can be extracted. I mean, that, don't, aren't you glad with all, all of the complaining going on about our great nation, aren't you glad that we live in a place where we can worship yeah. freely? I mean, for now, and I'm gonna, we're going to guard that. But uh, these pastors had requested me to come, and I was curious At the the end of the conference, they presented me with a a little tray, a little or I would not a tray. It's a a, like a china, a porcelain plate, and it had it the the um, like a a picture of Esther. You know how like an artist drew something, and they presented that to me, and they told me the story that uh, my book had been translated. I promise you, we didn't translate it into Farsi. That's the language of Iran. We didn't translate it. Uh, And they also told me that my movie, One Night with the King, was the most popular movie in Iran. And it's because uh, Esther is actually buried in Iran in a city called Hamadan. They know where Esther's grave is. What's interesting is it's guarded by Islamic terrorists because it's a historical site. Uh, But it's a part of the history. And so the Iranian government saw the movie as a historical thing as a part because Esther marries the king of Persia and they pirated it. That means the government paid to have it put into Farsi. And all the voices overdubbed. And they play it once a year at a certain time when they celebrate certain things. They play it once a year on state TV in Iran. Isn't, that, isn't God good? Tommy can't go. But the message that God put on my heart, it went. And these pastors told me that every little kiosk you know, that sells DVDs and movies along the streets. That's, you'd have to see how they do it. That You can find the, the movie there for sale. Now, mind you, it's pirated. I don't get a penny off of it. But if the pirates will help me, I will get the message anywhere it can go, even if it has to be pirated. I don't get any money, but God gets the glory. Hallelujah. Is that all right that I just took a moment and told you a story like that because that's that's the kind of thing that that our ministry is normally involved in. We do a lot of a lot of fun and interesting things, and that that theme song is on the c d that you cannot buy but if you buy one of my books, this one is about unity oh evidently you don't understand that we need unity. We're, do you know that we are under attack for disunity? Is, is attacking not only churches but families, and it's attacking our nation right now. And I say enough. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, I've been praying. Enough is enough. The spirit of disunity, uh, I was praying about this and I said, God, why why, is, why are we coming under attack right now and disunity and things that, that, you know, I thought we would be able to put behind us and, and, and move forward. Why? And it's the Holy Spirit, you know how God just talks to you. He said, why, why would you be surprised at a nation coming under attack for disunity When the name of their nation declares, what is the the name of our nation? The, The what? United. He said, you declare that you're united in the name. So are you surprised that the enemy comes to attack it? And I say, we stand against that spirit of division. Amen? I can worship with a bunch of Cajuns I can worship with anybody so th- this book is about unity and you, you, I hope you enjoy it and my mint is melting so last night no I, I grabbed another one I got three mints we're good not a button but three mints right here two of them one here and two there Last night, I preached from the book of Joshua, chapter 4, and it got me all excited about Joshua again. Uh, uh, and I want to I just go to the next chapter. Can we do that? Yeah. So we're going to... Chapter 4, if you remember, I love God's Word, okay? I get into the Word. I, I mean, I like to... Because it talks to me. And I, it helps me. It, 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 it opens my eyes. Uh, what, what's the guy's name in the foyer that's guarding everything? Huh? Chip. Chip told me something when I came in. He said, he talked about what I preached last night. He said, I, I never thought of that. i never seen that because that's an obscure passage where you'd have to be here last night where Joshua did something that gets overlooked. And he told me, I'm hoping I can quote it right, but it th- came from Chip. If, I, if, it, if it offends you, blame him. <laughs> he said that struck him a little bit like the story of Goliath where the stone, you know, hit his head. Goliath said, Chip, let's see if I get it right. He said, uh... Not, nothing ever hit my head oh come on chip tell me what 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 does it say i got to get this down cuz i'm going to use it preaching I'll give it to you one more time one more time
5: and the question is why was goliath
4: so surprised when david hurled it's okay me why was goliath so surprised when david hurled, hurled the stone Nothing like that had ever entered his head before. Last night, that was kind of one of those moments for me when I learned that from the scripture. Thank you, Pastor Chip or (laughs) Guard Chip or whatever you do. Uh, The uh, fifth chapter, okay, in chapter four, the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River. All right? Now, chapter 5, they begin to occupy, move in. How many of you know moving in is a process? I bet some of you still have boxes that you have not unpacked from move 10 years ago. My wife and I, we've been in a house 20 years, and we found some boxes (laughs) from when we moved in 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 the attic. You know, what else are you going to do during this coronavirus thing? Y'all need to pray for me, okay? You really need to pray for me because I'm in big trouble. I have started 29 projects around our house (laughs) and haven't finished any of them. And patience is running uh, thin. Pray for me. But boxes when you're moving So moving in for... The, the, the nation of Israel was a process because and well, I want you to think about it. The promise of God to them was you will live in houses that you did not build. You will eat from crops that you did not plant. Now, what you think about that and you say, oh, wow, yeah, I get a house that didn't build. But you think about uh, somebody did build it. And it's occupied, and that meant that the uh, task before the nation of Israel was they had to, they, they had been given by God the title deed to this promised land, but God said, you have to do your part and believe me and trust in me enough to evict those who are occupying what I have already given. Some people give up on God's promises because they see somebody living there. They see something already occupied and they say, I can't do that. Well, who did you expect to mow the yard and plant the crops and get the whole thing nice and ready for you? So the, you got to understand that you, you you, sometimes you have to move forward to occupy. And actually, part of the process, there's an, an amazing passage that's uh, in another part of, of Joshua, I believe it is, that it says, if I can, I didn't mean, this is not part of my my, my notes here. It says that God said, I will send the hornets. And it, you guys have those ground hornets down here? Yeah. I mean, look, wasp nests in a tree, that, that's bad. Uh,. You know, a, a few bump, a few, we had we had bees infest the side of our house uh, a year or so back. And we actually got honey from it because we had to call a guy and, you know, they had to kept, catch the queen and get it. Uh, uh, my, because my wife does not like things that fly. We had some wasps get in the house about five, six years ago. And one stung her while she was still asleep at five o'clock in the morning. And she has been at war with all things that fly and sting ever since. She hates it with a passion. Uh, I mean, I guess if you got woke up with a wasp sting, you would too. But God said, I will send the hornets before you. Some battles that Israel fought, they didn't necessarily have to fight if they hadn't said, okay, God, you do it. God had prepared... Hornets, because can I tell you something? You get an invasion of hornets, you will evacuate the premises. I mean, if a bunch of hornets came in the room today, how many of you would leave? Yeah, I know she would. She'd be the first one out the door because they just have a way. God said, I'll do that. He will drive out those that occupy but there's a process involved, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. In fact, I want to—I don't—I'm not one to give titles of something, but I'm going to give you a title today officially. This is—if you're taking notes here—here's the title. Okay, you're going to put it on the, the recording up there. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about breaking the spirit of intimidation. Breaking the spirit. Say that with me. Breaking the spirit. How how many of you have ever been intimidated? Some of you are so intimidated you wouldn't even raise your hand right then. We all get intimidated. Intimidation can defeat you when it would be a battle that you could win. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, amen or jump up and down on that. I gotta say that again. Intimidation can defeat you when, if you would get into the fight, it would be a battle that you could win. We've all seen the little dog chase off the big dog, right? And we look at that and say, he could bite him in two with one. But it's I, I learned from my dad many, many years ago it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Right. Amen. Actually, read that dogs have no sense of size. They don't have well, this one's bigger, that they're, they're just it's not in their mental capacity. They don't know size. All they know is fear or what you, fear or aggression are Bravado. And if, if, if the chihuahua has got more aggression and bravado, he can yip, 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 and chase off the German shepherd with his tail tucked between his leg. We, we, we're laughing because we've all seen something exactly like that. There, there's an element of intimidation that comes into play there. And sometimes we let the enemy intimidate us. And it keeps us from our promises. And I I personally, I want to tell you, I am tired of having promises that I have not yet possessed. Anybody here ready to possess your promise? That's what we're going to talk about in this today. Now, Joshua chapter 5 they are approaching the first city that they're, that they're going to have to deal with the inhabitants of. And the name of that city is Jericho. First major city, Jericho. And uh, how, many, we're all from, how many of you are familiar enough with this, the story of Jericho? Jericho? It, I mean, they even made a veggie tales about it. It's good theology in that veggie tales. Josh and the big wall. Now, Josh, is Josh the cucumber or the tomato? I think he's the cucumber. Bob is the tomato. Yeah, that's it. But Josh in this story is the cucumber and he's bouncing along. And it, he actually, what's funny in the video is I mean, how's a cucumber going to walk? They don't have feet, so they bounce. And, and, and the cucumber is bouncing along, and he actually bumps into the walls of Jericho. Now, the walls of Jericho are what make the story, because we all know the story that the walls fall down. But it, it, even in Veggie Tales, it's, it's interesting. The cucumber bumps into the walls of Jericho. And once I begin to really get into the story of of Joshua, that's exactly what he did. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And it says, It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, some translations say when he drew near Jericho, some translations say when he approached Jericho, uh, it's, but they're all talking about he's right there at the walls. I, I like the one that it says he, he drew near. That, that kind of paints a picture. This, this translation says when he was by or beside Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him. With a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him. And said to him. Are you for us? Or for our adversaries? Our enemies? And the man said. No, no, no. nay! I'm captain of the host of the Lord. I'm now come. And then Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the captain, or you might call him the general of the armies of the Lord, said to Joshua, take your shoe off of your foot for the place where you're standing. One one translation says, loose your sandal from your foot for the place you're standing is holy. Joshua did so. I want to talk about What all is in that passage? I just want to unpack that that passage for you a little bit. Here's what you need to understand. When it says Joshua drew near to Jericho, here's what's really, really interesting. Joshua and his buddy, he always had a buddy, his buddy's name is Caleb, okay? Like me and Chip my new best friend here I guess. Sorry pastor, he had a better joke. <laughs> but like me and Chip, there was Joshua and Caleb. They were there they were buds. So now Joshua's the leader of Israel and he's leading them approaching a city that God promised them but it's presently occupied by inhabitants and it, their job is to evict the inhabitants Now, here's what is really interesting about this walled city. The the most famous thing about Jericho is its walls. It was known far and wide. You can can read about it in the book of Joshua. They actually give us the dimensions of the walls. And one of the reasons we know that is 40 years prior to this time, Moses had led the people to the Jordan River and he had sent spies across the river into the city of Jericho because that like I said that's the first big city there and the spies if you're a spy that means you're checking out how big are the walls what will we need to do and uh, as fate would have it they weren't they didn't cross the Jordan River and they didn't conquer Jericho that time around. It took another 40 years for them to come back to the same spot. I don't know about you, but I don't want, I don't want to wait 40 years or 40 months. Or some of us won't even wait 40 minutes. If you order food at a restaurant and it's not there in 40 minutes, it, I'm gone. But they... Spent 40 years walking in a circle. A huge, giant circle. Kind of like that mouse on that wheel. You're making a lot of expending a lot of energy, but you're not going anywhere. They came right back to where they were. But in that trip, they had they had measured. And so we know about the walls of Jericho that the Bible says that the walls of Jericho were so thick on the top that two chariots could ride side by side. And do you know that chariots in those days roughly have the same wheel width as a modern automobile? So if you, I want you to picture a wall that's so thick on top that two, you could put a two-lane highway up there. Highway 1 could be on top of that wall. And here's another thing that's interesting. The walls were so big and thick and you could ride two chariots at top. But guess what else? There were people living. There was condos on top of the walls. Because when Rahab hid the soldiers, her house was on top of the walls. So everybody knew for 40 years they have known how big and how thick and how monstrous these walls. Jericho was famed far and wide in those days as the unconquerable city because the walls, everybody, the walls. Now, in this story that I just read to you, it's just, it just simply says Joshua drew near Jericho. What is unsaid in there talks to me as loud as what is said because Joshua is one of only two people alive at this moment when they're approaching Jericho that's ever even seen the walls. Everybody else that's following him, they've never seen the walls. All they've heard are the stories How big and how thick and how tall and how insurmountable. But Joshua and Caleb have actually seen the walls. And here's what talks to me. It takes one kind of faith to just be doing your thing and living your life. And suddenly you you encounter a problem. Unexpectedly something happens. You, You... You you get an email and there's a tragedy in the family. You get a phone call and you're laid off from your job. I I don't know if anybody here ever gotten some bad news and just suddenly a diagnosis from the doctor. The next thing you know, you're facing a medical crisis. We all have gotten those. And and by the grace of God, we're still here. Amen? Amen? Now... That is a certain kind of faith that you're just doing your life, living your thing, and suddenly something happens and you have to deal with it. Right. But the kind of faith that Joshua has is another, it's a whole different thing because it's not like he unexpectedly encountered these problems, this problem of the walls. He actually knew about how big the walls were how thick the walls were, how massive the walls, he knew about it. And he was marching toward them anyway. You didn't, you didn't get that. He knew how big a problem was, but he kept advancing and marching toward it. In fact, that, that little aspect is what gave me the insight and the clue as to why God chose Joshua to be the next leader to take the children of Israel. I started looking at different things that happened in Joshua's life, and I came to the the conclusion, the startling conclusion to me. you're, You're welcome to disagree with it. Pastor Richard's theology may be a little different, but my... I think that Joshua is the least intimidated character in the Bible. I mean, th- this man, nothing intimidated him. Just, just didn't didn't. He knew how big the walls were. He said, "No." Well, can you imagine other people as they're following Joshua and they're talking and they're they're, they're saying, uh, "Josh." Uh, uh, we, what are we going to do about this wall thing? And Joshua said, Let's keep moving. Uh, Pastor Joshua, uh, we, we need to have a committee. And they need to meet and come up with a plan. He said, I got a plan. Oh, okay. What is the plan, Joshua? God. That's right. well, what do you mean, God? He said, God, God promised, God said, keep moving. Yeah, but you're the one that told, you know, for all we know, there were 12 spies that were sent, one from every tribe. Joshua and his buddy Caleb were two of those 12 spies that went. For all we know, they were the guys that measured the wall that knew how wide it was, that brought back the report. We don't know, but they knew. So it takes another level of faith entirely to see a problem, know how big it is, have measured it, and said, that don't intimidate me. I'm moving forward anyway. I I don't know what you're facing in your life, but I think Joshua is talking to all of us because there's a lot of uncertainty about the future and what's going to happen here and what's going to happen there. I don't know, but I do have a plan. What's my plan? God. God what? I don't know. Just God. God's got it. What do you do? Keep moving forward. And the cucumber bumps into the wall. I mean, literally, it says Joshua drew near Jericho. He came by Jericho. And then it says, remember, he knew what he was facing. The reason why there were only... Two people who knew and had been in seen Jericho before is because an interesting thing happened when those spies brought back the report about Jericho and, and everything that was there. There were everybody had a report. There's 12 of them, right? And ten of those twelve spies said in their report. Oh yeah, is it you know? God promised them a land that flowed with milk and honey. In fact, the phrase—how many of you have used the phrase "milk and honey"? We use, it's part of modern vernacular. Not even non-Christians. I, I, I heard a guy uh, on the radio the other day. I, I doubt seriously the way he was talking. He was even a Christian, but he talked about you know the land, and he used the analogy of milk and honey because this was a place that. You know, why milk and honey? I'll tell you why. Because these were an agrarian people. They were people of the soil. So they knew if there is milk there, he said it flows like there's a river of milk. Well, if you're going to have a river of milk, that means you've got to have a lot of cows. And if you've got a lot of cows, what does that mean? Got a lot of green pasture somewhere. So, you didn't, God didn't have to tell them. There's acres and acres. All He could tell them, "You got enough milk, you can make a river." They got it. And He said, "There's honey. There's be- honey there. If there's honey, what's there? Bees. Close your eyes, sweetheart. There's bees. Do you know that? Uh, sometime back, I was I was on Interstate um, 10. Uh, you ever gone across the basin? If, if ever, there's a wreck, it's worse than the train. <laughs> you, you you are stuck. And uh, we got stopped one time. A, a friend of mine and I were driving. We got stopped by policemen. They were stopping every car. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Maybe, they, maybe they're looking for an escapee or what, because they are or it's the it's drunk driving thing, but they usually don't stop people on the interstates. They stop. And I noticed every car ahead of us, they would talk to them a minute, and they'd go on. They, so they they stopped us, and the, the guy, state trooper, leaned his head in, and he said, uh, we're just stopping everybody to warn them. They need to. You need to roll up your windows for the next couple miles because there's a truck... Uh, that is carrying bees that lost its load. And you don't want your windows rolled down. Yes, sir, we got that. I mean, who wants to drive through a swarm of bees with your windows rolled down? I did not even know, honestly know, until that moment. I was a grown man. I was probably... 40 years old or something something, when that happened. I didn't know that they put bees on trucks and moved them. And my friend said, no, 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 no. That happens all the time. He talked about his father-in-law had cornfields and this. And I come to find out farmers rent bees. They don't own their own bees. They rent them. I had this picture of walking up to the counter and can I rent a bee? I, mean, I I get it, renting cars, but they rent bees. And he said, no, they rent the hives, and they put them in the corners of their field, and still, we're in the 20th century, and they're still pollinating. God knew what he was doing when he made the bees. And these bees pollinate. I said, well, that's cool. So he talked about his father-in-law having that. And I said, I guess he gets a lot of honey. He said, oh, no. The guy that owns the bees gets the honey. He has to pay the man to put the bees in his, in his field. I said, that is a racket. <laughs> you own the bees, somebody pays to rent them, and you get to keep the honey. And they just move the bees across the country, pollinating season. And I, I, never, I never knew that. I lear- you learn something I, every day if your mind is open. So when God told these people it's a land that flows with milk and honey, that meant that God was telling them, this is cool, that not only were they going to have something to eat for this year because they're going to eat from crops they didn't plant, but because there's plenty of bees there, because there's honey there, that the crops are going to be pollinated and there's going to be plenty of, of, of food for... God, by telling them there's honey, was telling them, you're going to be taken care of for this year's crops and next year's crops too because the pollinators are going to already be there in place for you. Yes. So when they described the land flowing with milk and honey, everybody got excited. Woohoo! let's go. But then these 10 spies added to their report... There's milk and honey. They said, Oh, P.S. How many of you know what a P.S. is? That's the part of the message you read first. Because usually that's where the juicy stuff is. P.S. There, I love the King James the way it said, P.S. There be giants there. In other words, it's, it's a great land. it got grapes as big as basketballs. It's an it's, it's amazing place. Oh, it's, it's so cool. Milk and honey. But, by the way, there's giants there. Oh, and they're big. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Do you know... Uh, I, sorry, I have to give this part. That's what 10 of the spies said, but two of the spies said... They, they gave the same report, milk and honey and all this, and, but they did, their P.S. didn't say anything about giants. Their P.S., and by, by the way, those two guys, you know who they were? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and, and Ch- Caleb. Like Tommy and Chip, that, Joshua and Caleb, too, these two. <laughs> their report said nothing about giants. It just said, we are able That's why I'm beginning to pick up on how unintimidated Joshua is. You know, he did not argue with those guys. He didn't say, no, you need new glasses. He didn't say there's not giants there. He, 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 didn't, he, didn't, he didn't poo-poo their report. He, he, said, he just said, I, I don't know what, what you're seeing, but I am not seeing anything that is unconquerable. They they were looking at the same thing, and one saw a problem, and one saw a promise. I I learned something that your problem and your promise can sometimes have the same name. Some people looked at Jericho and said, "Ooh, that's a problem." Other people looked at Jericho and said, "Ooh, that's a promise." Sometimes your problem and your promise has the same name. Sometimes your problem is cancer. But guess what? There's a promise that comes with it that says, I am the Lord God that healeth thee. So cancer can also be the name of your promise. Just depends on how you look at it. And when Joshua looked at the city of Jericho, he didn't see the problem of the intimidating walls and the giants. He just said, you know what? We're able. We got this. God. Somebody say it with me. God. Look at somebody next to you and tell them God's got this. We used to say, high five your neighbor. We can't do that anymore. I like this air stuff you got going on here. Yeah, you can say, God, God's got this. So Joshua, when they gave the, and, and the 12 spies gave the report to all of Israel, do you know what happened? Somehow, the people put more emphasis on the problem than they did the promise. And the Bible says they became afraid. The chihuahua barked. And the German shepherd got scared. Oh, I'm preaching good right now. I'm preaching to some of you right now. You got a chihuahua guarding your promise saying you can't have it. And you're looking at that chihuahua and saying, that's a problem. (laughs) Do you know how big God's dog is? That's right. Say it, brother. So the people of Israel, they became fearful. I said last night, I mentioned something. They caught the fear flu. Literally, they caught the fear flu. And uh, do you know that fear is contagious? I mean, I'll tell you something else. Fear is contagious. Laughter is contagious. Somebody can just start belly laughing And you may not have a clue what the joke was, what they're laughing about. You can can be in a restaurant, somebody just get, I mean, have a belly laugh. And next thing you know, you're, (laughs) why? Something about human nature, it's contagious. So that, that joy is contagious. But fear is also contagious. I mean, you can catch, you can die of the fear flu. Because it keeps you off of your promise. That's true. That's true. Fear will keep you away what, from what faith has promised you. Oh, that's good. I've never said that before. I need to, like, Fear, can you take notes on that, Jeannie? Fear will keep you away from what faith has promised you. Some of you have some promises. And what I'm trying to do is drive out the spirit of fear. Uh, I'm gonna tell you a, a little story. I, I got a couple of grandkids. Uh, my uh, youngest is a he, boy. He's eleven years old now. But when he was about, how would he be? Would he have been four, three or four when he was at the Methodist Day School? He's, he's just a, a little tight, and I, can't, I I love to pick him up there because you know he would tell me his adventures of the day. They stick him in the car seat, and, and I'll say, hey, what'd you do that day? I'll never forget one day I picked him up. His name's Braxton. And I said, hey, what happened at school today? He said, I killed some bears. Just, just this, you know, like, like that's what you do. It's at the Methodist, United Methodist Daycare, you kill bears. I said, really? I'm gonna play along with it and see the story. I said, you, you killed some bears? He said, yep, there were two of them. He named me and my buddy. I don't remember the name of the other little kid that was. Me and my buddy, we took care of them. I mean, that was his word. We took care of them. He said, we took. I said, what, you mean, what do you mean took care of them? He said, well, so the other kids could play. Well, not, somebody's got to take care of the bears so the kids can play. So I said, well, just how did you take care of these bears, he said, oh, we had a rope and a knife. But he said, Papa, you're going to get me a gun when I get big, right? <laughs> I said, well, we'll see about that. But he was telling me how that, that they took care of the bears and they're dead. <laughs> and that, you know, and it was, I laughed. and uh, My dad was still alive then. And uh, I, I went to drink coffee with my dad that afternoon. And I was telling my dad, that's his great-grandfather. I was telling my dad the story about Braxton the bear hunter. And uh, we were laughing and chuckling about it. And at that very moment, my daughter, who is Braxton's mom, happened to stop by my dad's house with Braxton and his uh, two-year-older two year than him. Uh, she would have been five, six, uh, her, his sister my dad is, my dad. You'd, you'd had, had to know him. He was so full of mischief. He was a preacher, he, godly man, but he 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 could he could prank the devil. <laughs> he he was just mischief. And when Braxton walked in, I saw the wheels in my brain, dad's brain start turning. He my, my dad said, "Oh, Braxton." Wow, am I glad you're here! I heard you're a bear hunter. Braxton puffed his little chest out. Yeah, he said, Braxton, I need help here at this house. We got a we got a bear problem, and he pointed down a hallway that just my mom and dad lived in that four bedroom house, and so they didn't use that, that end, and so the light stayed off, you know, and. There's a bedroom down there that the lights were already always off and door closed usually. And he said, Braxton, you know that bedroom down that dark hallway? Do you know why we don't use that? There's a bear in there. And he pointed at me and he said, Your grandpa, I've begged him to take care of that bear. And he, he won't do it. He can't he he just won't do it. He said, and now, I, I am so, thank God we have a bear hunter. Braxton, will you take care of that bear for me down there? And he said, yeah, I'll do it. And he went over. They kept a little basket of toys behind the couch, and he's rummaging around in there looking for something to help him take care of the bear. And the only thing he can find is a pink jump rope. So he comes dragging it behind him, a pink jump rope. And he, he actually, he starts, he starts about one step down that hall. And then he grabs his sister was not far. And he grabs his sister like, I might need some help with this bear. He said, I had a buddy at school. I need, and he grabs his sister's hand. You come help. she said, Okay. And my dad got up and is walking behind them, and they're walking down that long, dark hallway, and my my dad starts describing the bear. He said, oh, you wait till you see him. He's huge. He's slobber coming out of his mouth. You should see his eyes. They glow red in the dark. And his teeth, they're like fangs. They stick out. The more he described the bear, the slower... (laughs) They walked. He said, "Oh, wait till you see his claws! They'll just cut you in half." You know, and I'm thinking, "Dad, that is so mean." And then little kids, by the time they got where the door was, they couldn't even will themselves to take one more step. Their little bodies were just leaning. looking in that door for those beady red eyes and the slobbering jaws of that bear and my dad is right behind them just keeps saying oh I'm so afraid and about the time they lean and they're not quite committed but they're almost my dad's right behind them and he goes rah can you imagine what happened first thing that happened is His sister turned on the red lights and the siren. And she let out a howl that sounded like a whoo. And she started trying. And my dad's pretty big blocking the hallway. That little girl tried to climb the wall. And she wound up knocking my dad down, knocking his glasses off. He's a big, look like a turtle on his back. He's just laughing so hard. Wow! And she's running. And Braxton, the bear hunter, hesitated for just a moment. Like, okay, I've done this before. I, I got... And then it's, you can see in his mind, he said, wait a minute. That one was my sister. And she's older than me. And she's bigger than me. And she knows more than me. Because I mean, when you're like four and you got a big sister that's six, that's a big difference. And he like, could see it, think in his head. He said, if she's scared, And the fear that she had suddenly jumped on him. He threw down the jump rope and trampled right on. He started at my dad's feet and just ran right up him, (laughs) planting his feet right on his forehead. my dad is over there laying on the ground and he can't get up and he, he's, he's 80 years old at that point and he, 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 there's not anything for him to grab to roll over and all of us just said, no, you're going to have to get yourself up from there some way or another because that was mean what you did. <laughs> I went to pick Braxton up at school later and I, I asked him when he got in the car, I said, did you kill any bears today? He said, Papa, I don't do that anymore. And to this day, if I ask him about bears, he will still say, he's 11 years old. He said, Papa, I don't do that anymore. And he would, he would, sometimes he would say, Papa, don't rire me. I said, what do you mean rire? He said, when you go rire, don't do that. It it permanently affected that little guy. He to this day, it it was so. You ever I don't know if you ever been to like a Cabela's or a um, what what is the other one that uh, Bass, Pro. Bass Pro? They'll have stuffed animals. Okay, uh, we we have a, a vacation house up in Branson, Missouri, and at the, the Cabela's up there, there's a, a, a stuffed bear right by the door as you go in. We couldn't get the guy to go in the door. He wouldn't even go in the door because the stuff bear. We had to go all the way around and come in another door because he don't do that anymore. You know what happened? He caught the fear flu. It was contagious. He was fine with it until his sister got it. And then it was contagious, and then he got it. Can I tell you, there is a lot of fear going around in our nation today. Oh, I'm preaching good. There's a lot of fear. And if we're not careful, that fear is going to jump on us. And the Bible said when those people became became afraid, remember I talked about how God said, okay, maybe you're not ready yet. Take another loop around the wilderness. You know what the Bible says about those people? It simply says this. Real quick, it says, and they all died in the wilderness. And they all died. What did they die from? Fear flu. Oh, they may have got, just died of old age, but what killed them before they got to their promise was fear. Right. There's giants there. What are we going to do with the giants? And the walls. Did you see how big the walls are? I, I'm, I'm here today. I am trying my best. You know what? Ha- uh, when it says they all died, uh, sorry, it did say except two. You know who lived? Joshua and Caleb, Tommy and Chip. We, we lived, do you know why we lived? You know why they lived? Because they had been vaccinated by faith. So that when the fear flu came around, they didn't catch it. I know that the world right now is pinning its hopes on a vaccination. But I am trying to give you a vaccination. Do so, you know some people are just scared of needles? And they're scared of preaching too. Amen. But you came today because you're not, a, you're not afraid. You're not scared of preaching. You're not afraid of preaching. You're not afraid of, of somebody. You're, you're ready to roll up your sleeves and say, inject me with some faith. Because when I start talking to you about how other people conquered and overcame and, and became the victor, it's like it injects faith in you so that when you go to your workplace and everybody there is talking about, oh, my God, did you hear this? Oh, the president's got it now. Oh, this is going on. Oh, that's going on. Do you know you can just say, yeah, it's all going to be all right. Amen. How do you know that, God? Because if, if you get injected with faith, fear, whoo, hallelujah, fear doesn't affect you. I preached a little bit last night. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear runs away when faith is present. And I'm trying to put that kind of faith in you. That's why this, this, this little verse, in the very beginning, talked so Hugely to me. It says Joshua drew near. He knew how big and how much and why, because he'd been there and he saw others die. But he said, We're going to be, doesn't matter, we're going to be good. We got God and let's keep marching. And the cucumber bounces off the walls of Jericho and he's there. And when he's there, then what does he see? <laughs> he said, he saw a man, oh, first of all, I knew it was, the, the verse said, can you put verse 13 up? It says that when he was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. You know what that means in the Hebrew? That means he did this. Did you get it? You mean do it slower? Have you ever encountered a problem that was so big that when you got there, you had to look up at it? Am, am I talking to anybody? Now that's a sobering moment. When he he gets to the wall. Yep. You're just as big as I remember. I've got some advice for you. Here's what I think he did. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, he didn't just look halfway up and acknowledge the problem. He looked all the way up and saw the solution. If you, just, if you just look halfway up, maybe all you see is how big the problem is. But if I can get you to lift your eyes up and see your heavenly Father, the Bible says that he, he sits in heaven and earth is his footstool, that his throne is above. And so I, I think Joshua just looked up. He saw the wall said, yep, you're just as big as I remember. And he looked up and he saw the face of God and said, and yeah, you're just as big as I remember too. God is bigger than your problem. Oh, say, tell somebody that. Tell them. Well, on both sides, God is bigger than your problem. Some of you are still a little bit wimpy. God is bigger than your problem. Come on. I mean, I want to put some grit in your gristle in your that you just that you're not afraid. Tired of fearful Christians not being able to possess what God has promised them. This world, your neighbors, your friends, your family needs somebody that's been vaccinated by faith and the word of God enough to know that God has got this. You know, I don't care what the name of the disease is. Coronavirus, COVID-19. I know a name that is above every other name. In other words, if you can name it, he can top it. Don't just look at how high the walls are. Go ahead and look all the way up and see how big your God is. Give God some praise right now. Hallelujah! And he's looked up. And the next thing it says is there was a man standing there. Now, now, I want you to understand, he's walking toward this wall. Here's a lesson for you: You cannot conquer what you do not confront. Ooh, Good preaching. You cannot conquer what you do not confront. Some people never conquer anything because they never confront anything. They run from it. And so they say, how does everybody else? You know, sometimes how you get to victory, just don't give up. I'm not quitting. He said that's mine. I'm marching toward it. I am not afraid. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Vaccinate yourself with that word of God. Amen. Joshua, Joshua is walking up to this wall. Do you know what else we know? He's 80 years old by this point. Bible tells us. In, in this aspect, there's a chapter later, I think it is, it tells us how old he was. And, and he looks up at the wall, and the next thing the Bible says, and there stood a man over against him. Am I preaching to anybody that's ever had something come against you? What that means is there's a man opposite him. And then he describes that man, pastor, and he said the man had a sword in his hand. Uh, the, The sword was not here. It was here. He already had it out. Now, I want you to think about this. We know from the story. We just read it. We know that's like an, an, an angelic being, an, an angel from heaven, a warrior angel. I like to think it's a uh, uh, Michael, the war, warring angel, is always pictured with a sword. I, I don't know who it, but that's some some being from heaven. And it's got, we know that. But do you understand that Joshua did not know whether that man who was against him was the enemy or not. And the reason I know that he was not aware whether he was a friend is he asked him, are you a friend or an enemy? I want you to get a mental picture of this. I want you, let's replace things, okay? In those days, the sword was the most technologically advanced close combat Weapon of its kind. In, in modern days, it's not a sword anymore. It's a pistol. Right? Okay, so I want to replace the sword with somebody waving a pistol around. Now, what would you do if you saw somebody waving a pistol around? Stand, oh, by the way, standing in front of locked doors... Because the first chapter, first verse of chapter six, like right after, this is right at the end of Joshua. The first verse, they can throw it up there. Verse one of chapter six says, And the gates of Jericho were shut up tight. So you got a man holding a weapon standing in front of a locked gate. That sure looks to me like a cigar. That's why Joshua asked, "Are Are you a friend or an enemy? He did not know. So let me ask you, if you saw somebody waving a gun around, would you just walk up to them and say, hey, are you a friend or, or not? <laughs> oh, come on, I'm talking to you. Let's get real. I, I, I'm going to admit to you, <laughs> I, I know what Tommy would do. No, I'm not going to lie. If I saw somebody waving a pistol around, Tommy's gone. I'm out of here. (laughs) You can have it. Why? It's crazy people. Some Cajuns are crazy. You see somebody waving. To be honest with you, even if I knew it was a good guy, if I saw a policeman pull out his firearm, I'm I'm gone. Why? Why? There's something bad going down. And I, don't, I don't need to be here. I've, I'm not involved. I'm not involved. Get out. Oh, some of you are trying to be so religious about it. Don't sit there and look at me like a tree full of owls. You know as well as I do, you'd be running as best you could. You might be throwing flip-flops left and right, but you're going to get out of there. Why? Because he would got a gun and he's waving it around. But did, did you see what my man, my, my, my man Joshua does? He's not only not intimidated by the walls, but he's walking up. And the, you know what's interesting? The Bible does not say that Joshua even had a sword in his hand. You know what I'm learning from that, Pastor? A man with a promise in his heart... Is more powerful than a man with a weapon in his hand. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Hallelujah. You can be victorious. Oh, high five somebody again and say, I refuse to be intimidated. Turn turn and tell somebody. You oh no, no, here's what you tell them. Turn and tell somebody, you don't intimidate me. I saw that. I saw that. He would not turn toward her and say that. I didn't either. Smart man. But somehow this spirit of fear can just get on us. I'm trying to preach it off of you today. He was not intimidated. And remember, I said Joshua is 80 years old. He is no spring chicken. This is no testosterone-fueled teenager. This is an 80-year-old geezer. (laughs) Are you a friend or an enemy? You're probably not old enough to remember Fred, uh, what was it, Samson and son? Fred Samson, remember that? That old geezer wanting to fight. That's, like, that's how I picture Joshua. He's walking up to this guy with a sword. Let's get ready to rumble. I want to know, are you a friend or an enemy? Because if you're an enemy, we, it's going down.
2: Oh, here, here, here.
4: You got the picture now. Now, are you beginning to understand why I say Joshua is the least intimidated character in the Bible? He's ready to fight with. And 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 the fact that remember this isn't a heavenly being. Okay, this isn't uh, I, the Bible doesn't say it, but I think it's an angel. Okay, yeah. a heavenly angel. Yeah. And now uh, sometimes we have a Western world view of angels. Because we think um, little chubby cheeked fat-footed, diaper-clad, tiny things. (laughs) Waving their February 14th wings. And that's our idea of an angel. But can I tell you, there is nothing further from the truth. That is not the biblical view of an angel. In fact... Here's something that struck me from this passage that I have to tell you. Every other time in the Bible, say it with me, say every time. Every Every other time in the Bible that a person had an encounter with what we know positively was an angelic being. Every time. Do you know what the first words out of the angel's mouth was? Fear not. Fear, not. Fear not. I don't care who it was. If it's, if it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, the first thing the angel said has to say is, don't, don't be afraid. No, Mary. It's all, it's all cool. You're just going to have a baby. I got a birth announcement. But because human encounters with angelic beings, first of all, they're not tiny. They're huge. And they're not cuddly. They're scary. They're very intimidating. But my man Joshua is the only, I've done my research, he's the only character in the Bible that when he has an encounter with this angel, that the first thing out of the angel's mouth is not, fear not. In fact, the angel has to say, No, 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 no. I'm on your side, little man. (laughs) I mean, angels are huge, they're gigantic, they're scary, waving swords. And I can see the angel looking at his buddy angels. Because if he's captain of the Lord's host, that means there's a whole bunch of them there. Which adds another element to Joshua's lack of fear. He wasn't just facing and seeing one. If there's a captain of an army, he saw the rest of the army. This was just the first one. And after I take care of you, I'll get the rest of them. He's not afraid. <laughs> Come on, say it again. I refuse, to be intimidated. I refuse to be intimidated. Hallelujah. I feel faith rising in this room. And when the angel identified himself, what really just kind of boggles my mind about this whole process is the angel had to just tell Joshua to back off. And maybe, that's what I said, the angel maybe said to his buddies, look at this little man. Everybody else we ever met, we had to tell him don't be afraid. And he's kicking sand on us right now. <laughs> he, he, he don't care. Look at him. He's, no, that's why the first words out of the angel's mouth, is, and, and King James says, nay, that means no. No, 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 calm down. We're on your side. The, then the Bible says Joshua falls prostrate on the ground. Some people faint when they, and fall out when they see the problem. Other people fall on the ground when they see the promise. When Joshua realized these guys are on our side, then he said, and he hit the ground. And there's a little conversation, and I'm going to close with that. He said, what do we do? Tell, 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 tell the servant of the Lord what we do. Can, can you think about the angel? What do you do? What can you do? You don't have a sword. You don't have a battering ram. You don't have any mechanical weapons of taking care. What, what, do you, what, do you, what can you do? They, they want to know what to do. We're here to take care of that. You don't, you don't, okay, we'll give you something to do. Can you play some music? Can you just worship a little bit? And they, yeah, because to be honest with you, that's the, really the only thing they were equipped to do. They had not brought mechanical weapons of warfare to conquer a wall like that. All they brought was God, and that's all they needed. And the angel says, if you'll worship, we'll do the warfare. If you'll worship, we'll do the warfare. That unlocks a secret from me that when we worship, angels war. That means when we don't worship, they put their sword up. That worship is warfare. And so he told him, you guys just march around the city and worship. And we will take care of undermining the walls and collapsing them and doing all that kind of stuff. You don't worry. We got that. You worship, we take care of the problem. See, some people think they're confronting the problem when they see these giants. Other people, which kind of makes me ask one, one last question. Remember 40 years before the spies saw giants? Remember that? Okay, so is it possible that the spies, that the, that the giants, I'm sorry, that, is it possible that the giants that the spies saw were actually the angels waiting Because I want you to think about it. God never promises anything that he cannot produce. So when he sent the spies in, God's plan all along had been for them to occupy Jericho 40 years before. In fact, he had already made the preparations. In my opinion, what God did is... When they approached the river, God said to a battalion of angels, Go station yourself around Jericho. And when my people get close and approach it, reveal yourself to them and take over the city. So I want you to think, how long do you think those angels had been waiting there for somebody... To believe enough to march on the city. That means you got some unemployed angels. I'm preaching to some of you, God's promised things that you haven't yet possessed. That means you got angels camped out around your problem, waiting. What are they doing? Sipping coffee? Sharpening their swords, saying, "When will somebody believe enough?" Those angels were bored out of their mind. When will some? For forty years, we've been stationed here. Some of you, God's got a promise for you, and you've been saying, "When, when, when?" And God, God said, "March, march, march." Yeah. Uh, I, but it's big. I know. Acknowledge its size, but keep marching. Yeah. Right. Come on, you guys. You, you got to understand. To not acknowledge itself. You can't say, oh, the walls are small. No, they're not. They're big. Some people's idea of faith is works like this. Like, you know, let's say, for example, you got a headache. Now I know all of y'all are so saved and sanctified, you don't ever get headaches. But sometimes I get a headache. And I never get little headaches. Ask my wife, they're always big. Because you know, when, when a man gets it, it's big. That's what my wife says. Why do men, it's always, they're the worst complainers. I don't have little headaches. I got big ones. So you have a headache. Now, this is some people's idea of faith. You you just say, I don't have a headache. My head doesn't hurt. I don't have, I do not have, you liar.
2: <laughs>
4: Big fat liar. You got a headache. Oh, but I'm trying to have faith. I don't have a headache. That's not faith. If you don't have a headache, God don't need to heal it. If you don't, do you know that every time Jesus did a miracle in the New Testament, he asked the person permission, he'd say, what do you need? Uh, they could be blind and he could see they're blind but he always had to say tell me your problem if you don't acknowledge that you have the problem he is incapable of taking care of it and if if you just have oh it's just a little headache okay I'll give you a little healing it's just a little cancer oh I'll give you a little healing no I'm sorry I don't want a little healing anybody here want a little healing no I want a big healing I want a miracle healing. So it's okay to acknowledge how big your problem is. Joshua said, I know how big the walls are. Don't minimize your problem. Maximize your God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Write that down too. Don't minimize your problem. Maximize your God. God is bigger. I'm trying to inoculate you. So Joshua falls out. He... And These, as I said, is it possible that the giants that the unbelieving spies saw were actually the angels? You think about that. I know that Bible says that the angels of the Lord camp around about those who fear Him. That's defensive, okay? That's the angels around you. This tells me that God has offensive plans also. Just like LSU last night. Oh, come on. Does anybody here not watch football? You don't. You You do. Oh, buddy, you're my friend. Uh, You get a free CD today. They won last night. Right. Fist bump. Yeah, he knows the score. That's right. They blew out Vanderbilt. so cute. I love it. But you you just have to understand you can have a big problem, but you got a bigger God. And you got angels that are camped out around your problem before you ever get there. You, your problem may not be until you have the appointment with the attorney or the doctor on Wednesday. But do you know that you already into the future. You have angels camped out around your problem before you ever arrive. Only you won't know that they are angels that are for you if you don't walk up on it. Because if you stand at a distance, they may look like giants that are against you. Until you walk up, and this was a revelation to me because most of the time in the Bible, when they talk about giants, they're the enemy. And as I began to read this, God whispered, he said, not every giant is against you. I have some giants that are for you. Some of you have giant warrior angels standing around what you're facing. And all you gotta do is walk up to it to activate them. Hallelujah. Joshua said, well, okay, what do I do right now? It's interesting what the angel said. Take off your shoes. Take them off. Ground your stand on. What did he say? Holy. holy. Okay, so do you know what the word holy, literally, the, the, the meaning of the word holy means set aside for God, set apart for God, belongs to God. That's what holy. If something is holy, it belongs to God. So the, the 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 angel, the giant angel with the sword in his hand, said, "The ground you're standing on already belongs to God. Joshua, you think you're still standing on the problem, but you're already standing on the promise. You just don't know it. I'm preaching to some of you until until the revelation of it comes. You may not know. You are already on your promise, and you just it's a matter of it." Take your shoes off. The ground you're standing on already belongs to God. And the more I thought about it, I thought, remember that scripture where God promised to Abraham. He said, Abraham, every place, the sole of your, what? Your foot touches. Not the bottom of your shoe. The backside of your sandal. The sole of your boot. He said every place the sole of your foot touches. So maybe. Maybe, maybe that's what the angel was telling Joshua. Uh, we just need you to touch it. Because if you touch it. We can take it. Take your shoe off. And once you, once you touch it. It activates. We can fight. I'm, I'm preaching to some of you. I don't know what you need. Let's just, I'm trying to. Have, have you ever thought of the theology of why we lay hands on people when they're sick or they need something? Why do, why do we do that? What does me doing this do for his problem, his sickness, his what? What is, what is this? You know what? I'll tell you what. It's the equivalent to come stand up. You know when, when two guys are mad and they're about to argue, they start getting in each other's face and they'll. You know, <clears throat> <laughs> by, <laughs> he's not moving. He's oh not God. moving. But what? What? What does this do? I'm not. We're try, don't, we don't have a mask, but we're yeah. anointed right now. That's it. <laughs> you know this. Tells him, I'm fight. not intimidated. Yeah, you, 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 you picked the fight. Am I right? Thank you. So when we do this, it's the spiritual equivalent of doing that. It's telling that cancer, You don't intimidate me, it's telling that problem. Why because there 's something that activates thing about the power of touch it's, it's, it just does, so maybe that 's what the angel was needing maybe you need a car. Let me give you a direct example of what you need a car you got you ever had one of those cars that even after you turned it off, it kept running <laughs> oh i 've had them you got to shoot it to kill it almost. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you need a new car, but you're so ashamed of the one you got, you park it a block away so you can walk up and look at the new cars. Because it's still you're looking at the new cars, and it's still over there. <laughs> here's what you do: you may not have the money, you, you may you may not you may think it's I, un, I can't, it's just too big, can't do it. That's okay. Go look. And while you're looking, just do this. You know, everybody thinks that's what you do when you look at a new car. And they think, oh, you're just looking up. No, that's not what you're doing. Because you got the Joshua kind of faith. And you're just saying, God, I need it to take my family to church to go to get to work not, not, and because if you touch it you know, or may, may, maybe it's an, a new house or a new apartment or something you know a lot of times when you go look at new houses people they take their shoes off so that's okay you, just, you need a new house I'm preaching to you today you need a new house need a new place to live just go look at one today but when you get there just take your shoes off before you walk in Everybody think, oh, they're going to be nice and polite and not track anything. No, what you want to do is dig your toes down into that shag carpet and say, it's mine. Because if you touch it, what did they do for seven days when they marched around? They were constantly touching. It, that, that touch activated the angels. And the more I thought about it, there's one more thing. When you get home from this service, from this long-winded preacher who preached way too long. When you get home and you walk in your house, what's the first thing you're going to do? I'm sorry? Take your shoes off. Your shoes off. Why, why are you going to do that? Because it's your house. Maybe that's what the angel was telling Joshua. Joshua, take your shoes off. You're home. This is yours. Relax. God's got it. Stretch your hands toward me right now. I just want to pray over you. Father, I thank you for this incredible bunch of people down here that I've never met. I feel my, my spirit has connected with them and you... You prompted my heart today to preach on faith. I don't know every battle and every situation and every wall that they're facing, but you do. I just pray that the faith of Joshua flow through their veins. I I vaccinate them with the word of God today. I I have given them an IV full of God's word and I speak it into existence in their lives. Giants no longer are against them. Walls start tumbling down and problems start being solved. I speak it in the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. I'm done. Did the word of God come alive in your heart? Did it? Did it, did I help you today a little bit? You gonna let me come back? Yes. I'm afraid to look. At... You don't want to look at it. You don't want to look at it. Oh my God! At it. Is it all right? I just had you hadn't you didn't just need a vaccination. You needed an IV, and it took a while to put it in. You had to wait all that to get in. But you are you are full of faith now. Amen. Amen. Love you, Pastor. Thank thanks for letting me come. Maybe.
0: Love you, too. Thank you. You can turn this thing down. Hey, put that verse back up there because, man, I was taking so many notes over there. But there was one thing. I had this visual picture, and you almost ruined it with that. Just totally wiped it away. But this is video, and I'm going to cut that out and send it to you. You can put that on your blooper reel one day. Oh, gee, I don't know. We may have to edit that. No, I just, one thing I just kept noticing over and over is it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. But then he saw the man. And I, I just kept getting this visual picture. It was David and Goliath, but it fits so well. Like, you know, here's Goliath. He's he's looking down on him, and he's, "What are you gonna do, little man?" And and I could almost see David just kind of, huh, "What are you looking at back there?" God's still on the throne, dude. You're done. <laughs> you know, it's like he's looking up. Then he sees this giant. You know, the 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 man there. And he's like, he's done looked at the problem. It ain't big enough. Yeah, God's still on the throne. And he's just like, it don't matter who you are at this point. God's still on the throne. I got a promise. Whatever. So it was just that visual picture I got, especially of David and Goliath, you know, kind of looking past him. He's like, yeah. what are you looking at? God's still on the throne, man. You are done. Yeah. <laughs> so, listen, this was awesome, man. I Listen, brother, I love you guys. Thank you for delivering that word. And I said, I took all kind of notes, and there's all kind of things that are just rolling in my spirit right now. I don't want to preach any of that. I'm going to put this up. Hallelujah. But listen, it is our first Sunday of the month, and we do communion on the first Sunday of the month. So uh, if I could get our, our uh, deacons to come in and help me pass this out real fast. I know it's getting a little late, but hey, come on, man. We had so many months off, we can get a little bit back. Hallelujah. When you get, when you get some good preaching, it don't matter. So... Hallelujah. I need somebody else. Anybody else got another one? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm just going to slide this over for a minute. So listen, what they're going to do is they're going to go around and they're going to pass them out and they're just going to hand them to you. They're already uh They're already prepared. So they're just going to take them and give them to you. And uh, that way we will have them and we'll take communion together. Um, man, so many visual pictures in there. You know, see the gun, he goes take off running and all. I don't know. I can't run like that. Actually, I was thinking to certain people in here I know, and and I was just like, yeah. You know, I know they're not going to run. They're not going to run. But listen, we've got to be men and women of faith. Period. Cut dry. Especially right now. I've been preaching about faith for months. You know, and, and, and is it a lack of faith to wear a mask? I don't think so. Because that would mean it's a lack of faith to wash your hands. Well, you need to wash your hands. They're dirty. Just saying. The Bible says wash your hands anyways. And you know what? I've got my mask, and you know that. i got my hand sanitizer right here. And, and when people come up to the altar, I look like a priest. I, I, dip my, I pour it in there. I dip my hands. I clean it. I put some oil. I pray. And, and now, the one thing y'all don't realize is, do y'all know how bad this sanitizer really smells? Okay. So, so imagine I dip my hands in it, and there's a little bit of oil on it, and the oil makes it stick. And so I use a rag, but it doesn't take it all the way off. And then I do it again, and I do it again, and I do it again. And, and after about 10 people, it becomes thick, and I can feel it. And then I accidentally get my hand close to my face, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. That's why when we have those kind of services, the first thing y'all see me after service, I run straight to the bathroom to wash because my hands reek. Of that stuff. <laughs> so but you know what? I believe in the laying on of hands. That's right. Matthew 18 and, and 19, or is it 19, 18? I get it confused, you know? Any two agreeing as touching. I believe the laying on of hands. I believe there's power in it. So Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Everyone have one that, that was wanting one, one? Oh, I'll get it. Go ahead. You got yours? Okay. Okay. Oh, I serve y'all. Y'all don't serve me. Sorry, it's just an old habit. Everyone have one? Anybody want one that did not get one? Amen. This is always the fun part. Okay, there we go. Here you go. This is always the fun part. I really don't like these cups, but they're more sanitary, so that's why we use them. Because it's really hard to do all this with one hand. So, hallelujah. Now, listen, if you're visiting with us, I allow the children, I allow the parents to make the decision if the child can can take communion with us or not. Because the only requirement I see in the Word of God is they were at the meal. And I believe the children need to know how we do things as believers. So I let the parent make the decision if the child is going to partake or not. You don't have to be a member of this church. You get to partake. And most of y'all know that already. Amen. But listen, so... During, during the meal at one point, Jesus stopped and he pulled the bread and he began to teach. And, and I'm not going to go into all of that, but you know that the, the, bread, the bread represents his body. There was always a breaking of a bread during a covenant. There was all kind of different, different aspects of the bread. But the one, the one aspect I always ping on when I think of the bread was his body on the cross. Because his body was broken that I might be healed and remember, there was a sickness that had got into my family at one point. We, we were all living in one room of a house. We, we were sharing a room of, of a friend while we were rebuilding a trailer. And we all got sick. There's four of us in that one room. And we couldn't get rid of it. And I ran across some bread, kosher for Passover, it said. And every day I would give the bread, and I would break it, and I would say, thank you for your healing. And I did that a couple times a day to my family, and that sickness was gone. I believe in that. So you know what? Today, as we partake of the bread, what you're saying is, I receive that healing. I receive that health. I receive his body being broken and beaten for me. I receive it. So let's partake of the bread together today. But then later in the meal, he picked up the cup. And he said this cup represents the new covenant. That's why it's the New Testament. That's new covenant. His blood was shed for us. His blood was shed and it was poured out upon the mercy seat. And when we receive him, it's poured out over our hearts and our names are written in the book and, and the sins are blotted out. They're washed away. And by this symbol of this juice and this what we're doing here together with communion says, I receive it once again. And I believe it is just as powerful today as when Jesus did this over 2,000 years ago. So listen, we're going to partake of this today. And I want you to tell him, Lord, I thank you for this symbol. I thank you for the opportunity to remind myself. And as I'm drinking it, I'm reminding my body that his blood has washed me. Let's take you to juice together. Father, I thank you for this symbol Lord, as I always ask, never let us take this lightly, that something so simple is so powerful. Lord, I pray for your people today, God, that there will be health in their bodies, there will be strength in their minds, clarity, their ears will be opened, their eyes will be ready to see. Lord, I thank you that your blood has washed us and has cleansed us. Lord, give us the power through your Holy Spirit, as you have to go out into this world, but do not let us cower down to intimidation and fear that is false evidence appearing real. We walk by faith and by power of your Spirit. Lord, I bless our brother and sister here today that you would continue to protect them, open doors, Lord, as you have for so many years. Continue to use them, Father, in the ministry, touching so many lives, and even another generation will learn how powerful Chasing God is and how amazing and fulfilling it can be. So I bless them and I thank you for what you've done in this place through the last couple days in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen this morning with me. Amen. Listen, guys, so remember, we're going to receive an offering for them. If, if you have your regular tithes and offerings, uh, Pastor Chip back there, I think is, is his new title, uh, he's got the silver tray, right? And, uh, and so we have the red bucket as well, but listen, if you've got it in an envelope and you've got your tithes and offerings and you put something under special guests, we'll make sure it gets where it's got to go. Amen. And don't forget to visit their table out there. I love you. Hey, listen, Wednesday is going to be a first Wednesday worship. So we're going to be rolling. So y'all come back Wednesday and be here with us. I love you. Thank you. Y'all love on them a little bit as well. And God bless you. And, uh, hallelujah.